This is Servant Marcia Carney with Escape to Heaven. Spirit of the Lord is upon me. His anointing is empowering. The kingdom of the Lord is within me. And He's calling me to the heavenly. Be seated in heavenly places, just like heaven, just like heaven on earth. To be walking in His favor and graces, just like heaven, just like heaven on earth. Good morning. Tallahassee, what a wonderful day to wake up and feel the grace and the glory and not to mention the favor of God. You have arrived at 94.1 Wave. You're listening to Heaven on Earth Ministries of Jesus Christ, Servant Marcia saying, let's escape to heaven. And uh, before we think of such a big, seem like a big impossible thing, I just want us to pray this morning that the Lord will give us grace, favor, and help us understand and internalize his words. Father God, we ask you to open up our minds, our hearts, and our souls and banish every obstruction that would prevent us from receiving your word. This morning, what the Lord gave to me is, considering everything going on with Israel, has God given up on Israel? Or has God given up on you? And wow, if God gives up on us, we are in big, big trouble. And so um, I was just led to Romans, the 11th chapter. And let's see what that says. And this is Paul speaking. And he says, I say then, has God cast away his people? Certainly not. For I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not cast away his people whom he foreknew. Or do you not know what the scripture says of Elijah, how he pleased with God against Israel, saying, Lord, they have killed your prophets, torn down your altars, and I alone am left, and they seek my life. But what does the divine response say to him? I have reserved for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. I want to stop there because there's a lot in what I just read. It says that God has not cast away his people even though his people killed his prophets, not to mention even the Messiah. <laughs> wow. But God has not given up. Because additionally, no matter what the masses have done or the fact that they may still even to this day be worshiping Baal or Baal, God says, I have a remnant. I have reserved 7,000 men who have not bowed to worship the, the society, the community, the uh, culture, 
the depravity, the violence, just, I have not, I have 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to that. And so if we're thinking and looking at the news today and it looks like, oh my God, is Israel going to be obliterated? Uh, did God take his hands off of them? And then we look at our own lives and we say, those of us that are still wondering, trying to get to some light and still in darkness, um, sometimes it feels as if God has also given up on you. Well, I got a word for you this morning. And the word is no, 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 and no, God has not given up on you. The plan and the good work that he started in you, he shall finish. Let's go back to Romans 11th chapter, starting at the fifth verse. Even so then, at this present time, there is a remnant according to the election of grace. I'll explain what that means. That means it is not because any of us are special or our works have just stood up before us like Cornelius did when the angel went and said your, your uh, alms and your good works and your prayers have been heard by the Lord. It is not by our works. It is by the fact that God has extended grace to all of us that there is the possibility of us being one of those 7,000, meaning being a part of the remnant that stays faithful to the Lord. Amen. And so let's go back to the fifth verse. Even so then at this present time, there is a remnant according to the election of grace. And if by grace, then it is no longer of works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. But if it is of works, it is no longer grace. Otherwise, work is no longer work. <laughs> so that complexity is that grace is extended and it has no regard to the good works that you may or may not have done. What then? Israel has not obtained what it seeks. But guess what? The elect have obtained it and the rest were blinded. So Israel is constantly doing all the many outside rituals that we're able to see, uh, the black box on top of their temple, uh, running, to the, running to the temple, even to the point where I believe they've built a third temple or in the midst of it and want to probably start sacrificing again. What is Israel seeking? Israel is seeking salvation. And this Bible is telling us that Israel has not obtained what it seeks, but the elect have obtained it. And everyone else were blind, just as it is written in uh, prophet Isaiah. He said, God has given them a spirit of stupor, eyes that they should not see and ears that they should not hear to this very day that you and I are living in. And David says, let their table become a snare and a trap, a stumbling block, a recompense to them. Let their eyes be darkened so that they do not see and bow down their neck, their back always. So I say then, have they stumbled? Has Israel stumbled? Have you stumbled that you should fall? Certainly not. But through Israel's fall, to provoke them to 
jealousy, salvation has come to you and I, the Gentiles, the ones that cannot trace their lineage to Abraham, the Gentiles. Everyone else besides Abraham's lineage are Gentiles. Now, if their fall is riches for the world and their failure riches for the Gentiles, how much more their fullness? So Israel will come to a point of fullness. And fullness means that at that moment, Israel's life will line up their daily actions with the original intent that God had for his own lot that he himself received back in Genesis when the nations were broken out. I'm inclined, oh boy, I'm getting off track, but I believe of in Genesis, the 10th chapter, let me see if I can find it real quick where uh, the Lord uh, separated mankind out into the various nations. Perhaps that's where it is. Uh, well, that's the genealogy of it. But there is a place, yeah, where the Lord separated mankind. And that is in the 10th chapter. And you see all of the various um, separations that were done. The coastline people of Gentiles were separated into their lands, everyone according to his language, according to their families and nations. And then you have Zeth and, uh, well, you have Ham, you have Nimrod, um, you have Babel, Erech. So in, our, in Genesis, the 10th chapter, we see the separation, but then we also see that the Lord himself selected one for him, and that is Abraham. And through Abraham, the Lord has made a decision that he's going to deliver the entire world uh, from this thing called sin. So the Israelites are constantly seeking for um, salvation. However, it has eluded them because of the spirit of stupor. And so Romans the 11th chapter, and, and that's where we are, the 12th verse saying how even though they failed, it benefited the Gentiles and how much more would Gentiles in the world benefit from their fullness, which is when they, when they're no longer blind and no longer, uh, deaf. Okay. And so therefore I'm going to start at verse number 15 for they're being cast away. It's the reconciling of the world. What will their acceptance be? But life from death. For if the, if the first fruit, which is Israel, is holy, the lump, which are the Gentiles, is also holy. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. So we that are now serving the Lord or believe in Jesus Christ, we're branches. And, and if some of the branches are broken off and we are wild olive tree, we're grafted in among them and we become partaker of the root and the fatness of the olive tree, meaning the salvation, the inheritance of salvation and reconciliation with the father. We cannot boast against the branches that fell off. So Gentiles cannot say anything against the original Jews. Jesus was an Israelite. Jesus was a Jew out of the tribe of Judah. Uh, so those of us that are reconciled to the Father through our faith in Jesus, 
we cannot say anything against the original Israelites because we're branches and they're original. We're grafted in. <laughs> so verse number 19, Paul says, you will say them branches were broken off that I might be grafted in. Well said, because of unbelief, the Israelites were broken off and we stand by faith. So we cannot be haughty, but fear for if God did not spare the natural branches. He may not spare you either. Therefore, consider the goodness and severity of God on those who fell severity, but toward us, Gentiles and believers in Christ Jesus, goodness fell upon us. Otherwise, we could have been cut off. And they also, they do not continue in unbelief. So once the Jews are no, or the Israelites are no longer living in the spirit of unbelief, they will be grafted in. For God is able to graft them in again. And uh, the 26th verse say, says in Romans 11 chapter, And so all Israel will be saved, as it is written. The deliverer will come out of Zion, and he will turn away ungodliness from Jacob, which is also Israel, but Israel that is not converted. For this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. Amen. 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 So concerning the gospels, they are enemies, but for the Gentiles sake, but concerning the election of God, that he elected Abraham to bring Jesus through the lineage of Abraham, they are beloved for the sake of the fathers, for the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. Amen. Oh, what a word. So therefore, you and I know that our Father, God, will not, He will not, He will not forget us. More importantly, there's a, a, a remnant. And uh, Romans, I'm still in the 11th chapter, verse number 34, says, For who has known the mind of the Lord, or who has become His counselor, and who has first given to him, and it shall be repaid to him. For of him, through him, and to him are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. So it is our Lord and God and Savior that um, can give and extend mercy to who he desired. But we know that there are parts in the, in the Bible that says he desired that none should perish. So our God will never ever cast us away. He will never give up on you. His eye is on you to complete the original assignment that he's extended to you and placed in you when you were a spirit being before you came to the womb of your mother. Romans the 12th chapter says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. So you want to be a remnant? This is how you become a remnant. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I do not want to live, and I hope you no longer want to live, separate and apart from the perfect will of God. I want to be a remnant, and I want you to also desire to be a remnant. First Corinthians, the fourth chapter, starting at 
I believe the 10th verse, I mean, how do you become a remnant? Well, you have to become a fool. F-O-O-L. You said, no, no, I'm righteous. I'm holy. I'm perfect. I'm upstanding. I'm conservative. I'm this and that. Well, that's not what the Bible says. It says, we are fools for Christ's sake, but you are wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are distinguished, but we are dishonored. So God is all those things. You know, he's wise. He's, he's, anyway, to the present hour, we both hunger and thirst. We're poorly clothed, beaten, homeless, labor, working with our own hands. So Paul is describing like the condition of apostles. I know that's not what we see in today's society, but to be apostolic, or to be apostolic, it means that you're uh, doing the work of the evangelist, you're planning churches, you're making disciples. All of these items and actions qualify you and I to be remnants. And that's what we want to be in this hour, a remnant. We want to be part of the 7,000 that do not bow the knee to the idol god, B-A-A-L, Bell, okay, nor Ashtur or any other God, Molech or anything out there. We don't want to do that. We want to submit to the will of God. Amen. And so we will be made to look like we're small and little, but you want to stay focused and stay in the perfect will of God. First Corinthians, the fifth chapter, verse seven says, therefore, purge out the old leaven, that you may be a new lump, since you truly are unleavened. For indeed, Christ our Passover was sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast, but not with old leaven, not with leaven of malice, wickedness, but instead with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. We cannot keep company with sexually immoral people. That's a lot. Let me say that one again so I can understand it. Here's what the Bible is saying. We are to personally examine ourselves. Or we can also ask Holy Spirit to show us what is not good inside of me. And then proceed to move away from wickedness. Move away from sin, uh, whatever this thing is inside of you, present it up to the Lord and purge it out of you. So when you take communion, meaning communion with Christ, and when we break the bread and drink the wine, that you are worthy, not unworthy, because you're practicing sin. Additionally, you can't keep friends with everyone. You can't uh, be friends with people that are having sex outside of marriage, for instance, or same sex or anything that is considered sexually immoral. Well, they cannot be your friend because why? You will soon become like them if you're not careful. So we can love everyone, but we are to abstain from the appearance and from the doing of sin. Also, uh, still in First uh, Corinthians 5th chapter, verse number 11 says, Do not keep company with anyone named a brother who is sexually immoral, 
covetous, idolater, reviler, drunkard, or an extortioner. Don't even eat with such a person. So let's say you don't even understand the words that I said. Covetous. I mean, a person that is envious of others. Idolater. A person that worship money or another person or a God that is not, you know, with, with statues and so forth. Or a person that party all the time. Or a drunkard. They drink or get high all the time. Not here and there, but just constantly. Or a person that is a scammer. These are not people that you are to maintain company with. If you want to be a remnant, these are the kind of things that we must abstain from. 1 Corinthians, the sixth chapter, verse number nine says, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. So neither fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, homosexuals, sodomites, thieves, covetous, drunkards, revilers, extortioners. None of these kind of individuals will inherit the kingdom of God. Now we have all been something. And verse number 11 says, such were some of you. But we have been washed. We've been sanctified. We've been justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the spirit of our God. What I'm trying to say to you is that the body is not for sexual immorality, but for the Lord. And the Lord is for the body. And God both raised up the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. And so our bodies are the members of Christ. Amen. So God is not going to do the rapture and grab uh, individual bodies that are not the members of Christ. So do you not know that he who is joined to a harlot is one body with her because the two shall become one flesh. So when we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior in the realm of the spirit, we are now joined to the Lord. And now we are one spirit with Jesus Christ. When the rapture comes, and, and that trumpet sound, it says Jesus like that, however it sounds. Everyone that is joined spiritually with Jesus will no longer live in this world. We will be caught up. So we have to flee sexual immorality because every sin that a man does outside of the body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Do you not know? That your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God. And you are no longer your own. You've been bought with a price. And that price is the blood of the Lamb. Amen. I thought I'd say all that so we can really, really understand what is the Lord saying to us. Amen. And um, uh, over in 2 Corinthians, the ninth chapter, starting at the fifth verse, it says, um, therefore, I thought it necessary to uh, prepare us for this generous gift. And, uh, you know, we're supposed to give. You want to be a remnant. You want to give. So we can't be stingy. Now we're leaving sexual immorality and we're talking about our, our spirit of generosity. Uh, you know, you ought to give willingly. 
And uh, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Sometimes we wonder why we're so talented, intellectual, got all kinds of degrees, go to church every day, but then you're so broke as the person who don't even get up and go to work. And the reason could very well be that you sow sparingly. You don't give to anybody. Not only do you not do tithes and offerings, you don't even give to people that you see in need around you daily. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, because God loves a cheerful giver. Okay, and God is able to make all grace abound towards you that you always have an all sufficiency and all things may have an abundance for every good work. What I'm trying to say God is able. He who supplies the seed to the sower, bread for the food, he's able to supply and multiply the seed that you have sown so that you will increase in fruits and in righteousness. Amen. So you want to be a remnant. You want to make sure that uh, you are one of those 7,000 that has not bowed the knee to society and culture and uh, bail and so forth. Then you also must be a generous giver. You must flee from sexual idolatry. In 1 Thessalonians, the fourth chapter, starting at the uh, third verse, it says that the will of God is our sanctification, okay? That we should abstain, like I said, from sexual immorality and that we should know how to possess our vessel in sanctification and honor and not in the passion of lust, when we were all like, I don't know about you, but I was not always saved. I had my sin nature, the sin nature, and I became a new creature. So before becoming a new creature in Christ, we all operated in the passion of lust, like the Gentiles who did not even know God. Um, so the point is, God did not call us to uncleanness, but he called us to holiness. And so we must love each other. Uh, we must prepare our hearts to give. And the reason is um, when the Lord come, 1 Thessalonians uh, 4th chapter, verse number 13. For I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, those who have died already in Christ. You know, like people that have no hope. Because we believe that Jesus died and rose again. Even so, God will bring Jesus um, and those in Jesus uh, who sleep in Jesus, that God will bring him again. Okay. For this we say by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who have died already in Christ Jesus. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ. Even those who have already died many thousands of years ago will rise first. Amen. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds uh, to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. So here's what I'm trying. The nutshell is this. Has God given up on you? The answer is no. 
So um, even those that are dead, uh, he is committed to them. And why must we uh, present our bodies as a living sacrifice? Because these bodies are going to rapture up with the Lord, even those that have died. Uh, so that we can, in a twinkling, uh, be transformed into immortality and have a glorified body. So we have we have our little part to play, and our part to play is we do not bend our knee to bow. So, Father, I believe that uh, we, it's time for us to pray. Uh, you have been listening to Heaven on Earth Ministries of Jesus Christ, Escape to Heaven, and I'm trying to tell you, in order to escape, we must not uh, bow the knee to bell. We must present our bodies as a living sacrifice, abstain from sexual immortality or immorality, correct word, um, walk in love with each other. Be a cheerful giver. Amen. Walk in faith. Accept the grace of God. Okay. Uh, and believe. Have faith that our God will never forsake us. He will never leave us. Father God, I ask you to increase our faith in your word. Lord, give us daily revelation of how you love us and how you will never forsake us. And you have not given up on us. And even though we are grafted in, uh, we are grateful for salvation. Thank you, Lord, for reconciliation unto God our Father through Christ Jesus. Hey guys, I love you. I can't wait to see you next time and stay encouraged knowing that our Father has his eye on you. You are the apple of his eye. Be blessed. Love you. Bye. God loves you more than me. <laughs> bye bye. Anybody wanna see you love?